Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we are going to finish up the, um, the end of this chapter today. Um, but we have been looking at Paul and how he's dealing with the Corinthian church. And the church was a very fleshly church. They were mature. They were babies in Christ. And when you think about babies as infants, you know, they're cute, they run around, they play, um, and you love them. But as they get older, you want their maturity to go with them as they get older. But that's what the Corinthian church wasn't like. They haven't grown up spiritually, and, you, and they would have hoped that they would have by now. Um, when we think about, you know, infants and toddlers, you don't see a lot of compassion for others when it comes to toddlers because they don't really know any better. You wouldn't see a toddler say, you know, Mom, Dad, you look kind of tired. Why don't you take a rest? I'll take care of myself today. I know my toddler wouldn't say that. A lot of you know her. She's... A break comes once in a blue moon with her, so, but that's okay. Um, you know, but then they, you know, they mature, they, they grow up, and they prayerfully get through that it's all about me stage. But the same could go for our Christian walk when you're newly saved. Um, the Lord... Um, this is pouring into you. You don't have that much expectations on you because you're just new in the Lord. There's still some mess-ups along the way. But, you know, people could tolerate that since you're a baby Christian. But as time goes on, you're expected to start walking and growing in your faith. So Paul's been leading the Christian believers in this maturing process. This uh, section started in chapter 8, and we're finishing up tonight as we close out chapter 10, where Paul goes through the liberties we have in the Lord in choosing out of love to limit those liberties to be a blessing to others. So we don't go back to when we were younger and we were living just for ourselves. There's two things that we don't want to fall into, and that is living for ourselves and not loving others. If this happens, you're pretty much going to be a baby Christian forever, and we don't want that. We want to grow in our faith. That's what Paul is trying to avoid, as we all should. 
as, the, as we know that it doesn't happen overnight, the Lord has to work in us, and we have to be open to that. I remember a while back, youth ministry did a skit up here where the Lord, where the Lord was chiseling away our old selves so we could grow, and that's what we want to do. So in chapter 8, the question Paul got was, is it okay? You know, there was a lot of gray areas, and we looked at those. We know those gray areas in Scripture. They're not specifically pointed out as wrong, but we do it... um, we do it, you know, this it's questionable. Are you doing it for the Lord or are you doing it for yourself? One of the common questions we hear about is, is drinking. It's obviously wrong to get wasted and drunk all the time. But as a believer, you know, the gray areas, like, can you grab a beer when you're watching a game or have a glass of wine with dinner? So there's a gray area that we have to deal with. And we are free, and all these things are lawful, the Bible says. And that's where we are going to start now in chapter 10, starting in verse 23. It says, Now, uh, it says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. So Paul says, referring to those gray areas, that all things are lawful, but he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. So here, we're at a point where principles are given, instead of a set-in-stone list of right and wrongs. Imagine every behavior and every detail, there was a codified list of how to follow it. Unfortunately, there are people that turn their Christianity into this. They have their own list of right and wrongs and judge people who don't follow their list. But the Bible doesn't give us a codified list. It gives us principles to apply in our lives. Paul shows this freedom and writes as a Christian, we're limited not by law, but by his love for others and what was beneficial to himself. So here we are. And the main thing is, am I doing this for the Lord and to please God, or am I doing this to please myself? The funny thing is, when you look to please yourself, you usually don't please yourself. But when you commit to pleasing the Lord, you become more satisfied and more filled with His joy than you could even think about. So as we conclude chapter 10, Paul finishes with three big questions. 
Three things that we can evaluate everything by, every choice we make. And the first question is, is it helpful to me? As it says in 23, is it going to build me up? We live in the times where it's not Christ-like by any means. And we, as Christians, need to be careful not to get be stuck in those things of the world. Situations and choices we are going to have to make. So that, so that question, is it helpful to me? Ask yourself, if is it really beneficial to me to get me closer to the Lord? So we have to realize that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. So that's the first question. Is it helpful? Again, does it build me up? In verse 24, we'll get to the next question. It says, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Seeking another's well-being. That's love. That's the motivation here, looking fully at somebody's well-being. I want you to ask yourself, if you ever really denied yourself or gave up to truly benefit someone else. We could also look at it as a different angle. Not so much denying yourselves, but when you've gone out of your way just to truly help somebody. A good example, and we saw over the weekend on the video clip, was a um, Thanksgiving outreach we had. What a blessing for those people at the Roeckling home just to get a meal, a hot meal where they may not have it all the time. People coming out of their way on a holiday to serve over there. That's, tr- that's the true example of being a blessing to other people. And that's what they're talking about here. Caring for others that may not have the, the word that we have. Again, when we're over there on Thanksgiving, I'm sure the gospel was shared, and that may not be something that they hear all the time. It will be a blessing when we look, when they look at you, or will it, will it stumble them? That's another thing to look at when you're evaluating if it's not just about you, if it's about other people. If you do things that stumble other people, as they said in all the way back in chapter 8 about eating the meat, if it was sacrificed to idols and if it was good to eat, essentially all the meat was sacrificed in the city, chopped up and then put in the marketplace. So now people go to the market and ask if the meat 
is from an idol temple. And Paul already said there's no such thing as an idol. So it's okay to eat the meat. Paul also said, remember, if they actually joined in those ceremonies, they were really being foolish because now you're partaking in idolatry. But once the meat is in the market, it's just, it's just meat. But it did bother some people's conscience. Paul says, going, um, continuing in 1 Corinthians, verse 25, it says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions of conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all of his and all of its fullness. If any of those do not believe, invite you to dinner and you desire to eat, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anybody if anyone says to you this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all of his fullness. So this is good. He's going to tell us how to be with the people in the world. And again, the big picture is how to reach people. How can we turn this into a blessing to others? So if a non-believer buys a ribeye at the market and invites you over for dinner, don't ask if the ribeye has been sacrificed to idols because it's just a ribeye and it's going to be delicious. But if you eat, eat it for the one who told you and for conscience sake, For the earth is the Lord's in all of his fullness. Verse 28. So now it's not about whether the steak is or isn't sacrificed. It's about the person who told you. And now you're making a decision out of caring for one another's conscience. But remember, we have to make those decisions with love. For that other person and not with pride in our heart like yeah look at what I did for you you gotta do it with their purpose in mind so if you go back to, uh, to 24 for a second so it's actually love you're caring for others and that's a good motivator. Verse 29 says, Conscience, I say not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? So at first look at this verse, you might take the verse and read it as, why should I care what other people think about me? 
But really what he's saying is, how could my liberty be the reason somebody would judge me or talk ill about me? Or be, or be stumbled by with something that I did. Because, because of my choices and freedoms, I'm gonna stumble somebody? Like, why would I want to be the reason for that? So, yes, we have freedoms, but we are, what are we doing with those freedoms? Are we really loving others as we as we continue it sort of finishes that thought continues in 30 it says but if I partake with thanks why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks So who wants to live like that? Getting looked at badly or judged? If things are done with a clear conscience and it does not stumble somebody else, we shouldn't be judging one another. But no matter what is done, the most important thing is coming up as you see in twenty, as see in thirty-one. Therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Again, we are doing things with love for one another in the forefront of our minds. So, if we're sick of just doing for ourselves and are okay, God, how can we be glorified? How could God be glorified in our lives? God could be glorified in two ways. He could be glorified when we get to the judgment seat, or we could repent and stand before him in his glory that was revealed when we were here on earth. So that's a choice that we have to make. Because either way, his glory will be revealed. So do we wait for his glory to be seen in you on the judgment seat or now when you gave your life to him and his glory can be seen in you? But the question is, which way do you want to go? As we finish up the last couple verses, it says in 32, Give no offense either to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So he didn't want to offend the Jews with their dietary laws. He don't want to offend the Greeks or the church. You don't want to stumble a brother or a sister. 
in the Lord. Again, back to doing things for all men, looking to be a blessing to others. And not just yourself or for your own profit, but the profit of others that they may be saved. How can I benefit others? The question. And hopefully be a part of why they came to the Lord. When I was asked why I wanted to get into ministry, I said because, well, first of all, I didn't think I would be up here, but I felt the calling, and it was to get people to see the Lord for who he is and to share his word and hopefully get people to receive the Lord and be saved. And then if that person goes out and they share what they know to somebody, then they'll receive the Lord, hopefully, and it'll keep, keep going on and on and on. And that was, was, that was what was in my heart, because if, if I could help somebody get saved, and then there's like a chain reaction, and you have so many people who receive the Lord, and that just is a blessing to me and a blessing to anybody up here. Um, that's just it's what's truly important. So if anybody has the choice to glorify God here and bless the others, do it because somebody may get saved from that. And, and so be a witness to others, love others, because getting people into eternity is what's truly important. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.